This episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. And if you're interested in investing in the same type of real assets that I personally invest in, that so many of the wealthiest families and richest companies have been involved in for decades, then I invite you to head over to vonfinch.com call and schedule an introductory call so you can start getting involved in these same type of offerings. These are large institutional multifamily and commercial real estate offerings that offer a great cash flow, a great back end, and you get to take advantage of tax benefits that are rarely available in any other type of investment. So I invite you to register, go to vonfinch.com slash call, schedule a few minutes with a member of my team or myself, and we look forward to getting you involved. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pesavento, and each week we share mindset tips and real estate investing strategies to help you take your business and your portfolio to the next level. And today I've got a very special guest I'm excited about, Justin Donald. How are you doing today, Justin? I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is fun uh, catching up. And, you know, it's always a good time getting time with another fellow investor that just believes and loves passive income. Yeah, I'm such a big believer in it. You're living it tr through and through. And I was uh, on your show and uh, really excited about that episode. But for those of you who don't know Justin, he Entrepreneur Magazine calls him the Warren Buffett of lifestyle investing. He's a master of low-risk cash flow investing, specializing in simplifying complex financial strategies and investing in a ton of different spaces. So we're going to talk about some of those strategies that you can use, some of the ways that you can get uh, a leg up to be able to find great operators, great deals, and great opportunities to really be able to grow that passive income and really create that lifestyle that you're after. I know I'm a big fan of it. I know Justin is an expert at it. So excited to dive into that. Um, before we get into all those goods, I want to start with something personal. Why don't we start out by uh, taking a look back at earlier in your life? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Well, I think that I could go down a number of different paths here. Uh, I feel very blessed to have two amazing parents that uh, loved me very well and uh, that I've got a great relationship with today. And though they weren't the picture perfect model for how to be an entrepreneur or how to invest or how to save, they were super loving and had traits that I was able to learn from them. Uh, such as work ethic for my dad. I mean, that guy could put in some hours to whatever it was that he was doing. And I just learned to work hard. And my mom just always put relationships first and just, it, they trumped everything. And I learned how to, you know, really value uh, my time with people. And so, you know, those two, you know, I, I guess the, the models and the kind of just, just what I learned from them uh, paved just such a nice path for me from a work ethic and a relational standpoint that all the things that I was able to do, I was able to figure it out. Even if I wasn't good at something, which happened generally, anytime I tried something new, I wasn't good at it at first, but because I had the work ethic and because I had the confidence to have good relationships and to 
you know, reach out for help when I needed help. I've been able to kind of solve for when I can't kind of figure it out on my own. Yeah, well, it's a, it's so big, right? You essentially started with a set of beliefs that empowered you to believe it's possible to go and do things, right? And to learn to work really hard. And half the time working hard will get you through whatever kind of challenge you're dealing with. Um, talk to me a little bit about when you started working smarter, because you're working, you know, in sales, you're working in business for a long time. And then you made this shift, this idea of really starting to invest with purpose, and uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that story because I think it really inspires some other folks who might be wanting to follow in those same footsteps. Yeah, Stephen, this, this was really a big turning point in my life because, you know, it's interesting because at one stage of my life, the mantra was that work ethic trumps all and that will solve all your problems and it's the badge of honor. And that served me very well for a period of time until it didn't serve me. So it's interesting in my life, I've noticed these seasons and it's, and it's just that nothing is absolute. So what worked for me at one season of my life may not have worked later. So, you know, when I was starting an, you know, starting a business, it really served me to work hard and to put in, you know, 16 to 18 hour days. I mean, some days, 19 and 20 hour days. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but that's what I did. And I did it for a long period of time. But I also knew later in a season down the road when I had a family and when I had, you know, a, a child of my own, that that's not what I would want. Uh, so I recognized one night in my office after years of, of this grind, I'm glad that I have developed the muscle to work hard when I need to work hard. But I remember sitting in my office, it was about 1030 at night, and I knew I was going to be getting to my office early, probably 530, 545 the next morning, and just thinking, gosh, I need to figure something out here, because this season of my life, I'm okay doing this. I'm okay busting my butt, but it needs to solve for something later. Like I can't not learn lessons here that, that leave me in a place where I have to continue working this hard in the future. And so it was really a moment like that where I, I just started reaching out to people to figure out how they were doing things. I started reading more books. I, I've always been a, a big reader. And I think that's one of my saving graces as a kid because I didn't know any entrepreneurs and I didn't know any investors. I, I had no role models except the authors that I read that did it. And that's what gave me the confidence to kind of uh, get into it. And at, at 18, I started investing. So uh, and, and I was really disciplined with putting money away and saving it. But uh, again, with this whole idea of work ethic, it really, really served me well for the beginning seasons of my life. And the more I talked to successful entrepreneurs and the more I read books from successful entrepreneurs, which are some of my favorite books, I just, I love books by uh, people that, you know, started a company and all their struggles and how they figured it out. Uh, and, and so what ended up happening is I, I figured out, well, how about I scale my business without me? How about I get people involved so that I'm not the bottleneck of the business and we can grow it and scale it and it doesn't have to run through me. And that worked. And that was really good. That was an upgrade for me doing everything. But the next epiphany came when I basically realized I was a, I thought I was a business owner and many people would consider themselves a business owner if they have mm -hmm. a business, an LLC. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought I was a business owner. And I read this book. I read Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm. And in that book, he said, if you can't leave your, your business for a year's period of time and have it maintain or grow, then you're not a business owner. You are self-employed. You're a sole proprietor. And that I felt like I got like slapped across the face on that one because I told so many people I'm a business owner, but I wasn't really running a business. I was running a sole proprietorship that everything really like it it hung on the balance of me, how I showed Mm -hmm. up, uh, the role that I was playing, the energy that I was giving so that other people would have energy. Um, And so I learned real fast that either I need to scale this on a grand scale or Maybe I can just transition into investing in companies and take my knowledge and my skill set to help them, but to have my time be a different component of my income. And, and that has served me really well. It's a big transition to go from being the hustler, the self-employed business owner that is driving and grinding and doing these things to being somebody who is able to step into that next quadrant. And so once you've built that habit of working hard and that's the way to do it, how and what would you recommend to others who are looking to fall in your footsteps who are really interested in starting to work smarter and not harder, uh, but break that habit that's really gotten them to all the success they've experienced thus far? It's a, it's a challenging place to transition. Yeah, Stephen, it's really tricky because the reason people have had the success they've had is because of that skill set, right? So to then say, hey, we're going to throw this out the window and do something different, it, it's scary because the, that's what got you to where you are. But it will, it, th- there's a ceiling to it, right? Especially if it's based on work ethic, because there's only ho- so hard a person can work. And so you might get a certain level of success, you know, you, you, you raised the, the bar, but you're not going to get to that next level with that same program. It's just like companies that scale, they scaled on one protocol and they're going to cap out unless they kind of retool the protocols to be able to give them the ability to have that greater scale and move to the next plateau that will in a, you know, eventually happen. So I think it's recognizing first that there are multiple ways to get things done and to empower people is huge. I just think it's smart to figure out what is the thing or what are the things that generate the most revenue and thus the most profit for your business. And what if you just spent all your time on those things, you know, Prado's principle of, of 20% of the activities equals 80% of the results. Well, what if instead of trying to do so much, you just did those 20% and handed everything else off and eventually, what if you could start training people to be able to take over that 20%? So I think it's, it's baby steps. It's, it's moving in that direction. It's not all at once. But I used to have this fear that I was better at most of the things in my business than anyone else. So if I were to hand it off to someone else, they were going to do worse. And that probably is true at the beginning. And mm-hmm. with training or, or just the right people you can get them better than you. Maybe you have some natural talents that are just better than you out of the gates. But if you take five different positions and they're 70% as good as you, those five positions add up to a heck of a lot more than you doing all five being the best at them. So I would take someone that's not as skilled as me and then you can put them in 10 positions or 15 or 20. And eventually the, the more people you can build with and build around the better. 
And I think that when your business can start becoming more, um, you can kind of divorce your time from your income. I think that's when life and business and investing gets exciting. You know, inside of a business operation, it takes a lot of time. And if you have the ability to not have all your eggs in one basket of one business, it probably makes sense to take some chips off the table and figure out how you can scale your net worth and your cash flow without your time dedicated to a single business. And that and that's when investing starts to make a lot of sense, right? And a lot of our clients are busy W-2, they're professionals, they're providers, they're healthcare workers, they're people in different positions within their business. And they're having this realization that they own you know, that it really owns them, that they don't have this freedom of time. And so when somebody's at that point and they're looking at investing in real estate, they're looking at getting involved, what are some of the things that they need to do uh, so that they can get confident in the investments that they're going to make and really start selecting the right kind of opportunities that are going to get them where they want to go? So I think part of this, Stephen, is a, it's a decision on time. So if someone has a W-2 job or a 1099 job and, and your time is commandeered and you just don't have much of it, maybe you have some flexibility, hopefully you have some flexibility, but if you don't, then you're probably not going to want to put a whole lot of extra time on your plate. Uh, whereas someone that has more flexibility or someone that has the ability to transition out or take some time off to kind of educate themselves, it may make sense to let's say own deeded property. So you buy real estate under your name, you're the owner and you run it, you're in charge of it, or you hire a property management group. Um, and, and so in that instance, you'll probably get a bit, a bigger return, but you likely are going to spend more time getting that bigger return. Uh, let's say someone has the capital to be able to transition out of their job and just transition their hours into owning real estate. Well, I think that's an upgrade. That, that's what I did. I was able to take my, you know, I, I had a job before I had a business uh, and eventually I had a business that became a job. It was just a higher paying job, but I, you know, I became a slave to the business that I created and to the income that I made uh, and I needed to exit that. And so, you know, eventually I did and I started spending my time in real estate. So I just transferred my time from one business to another. And, you know, with mastery, it takes less time to do the thing. So over time, it didn't take me as much time to accomplish the mission. I would make more with less time. But even if it was a swap of even time and I was creating passive income in time, that still to me was the better trade. Uh, but I think the other question is like, let's say you don't have the time or let's say you don't have the ability to transition right now. Well, then it makes sense to find some partners that, run things, a syndication, um, you know, real estate group, uh, working with, with people like you, Stephen, that provide opportunities that provide passive income where they don't have to do anything except vet you and your company and vet the deal to make sure that it fits, that it makes sense uh, to them, that it's an asset class that they want to be in and that, you know, the financials work. And if they don't have the ability to do that themselves, then maybe just Put it by someone that does have that ability, right? But I think that when you figure out how much time you have and what you're willing to spend, you're either going to say, hey, I've got a lot of time and I want to spend this earning the highest return I can. So I'm going to buy real estate myself, 
or it's, I don't have a lot of time, or I just don't want to have time for that. Therefore, I'm going to outsource this to groups that have a great reputation, have a great track record and are paying good returns where I'm just protected. Like, I don't care about the biggest return. I just don't want to lose money. So if I can make a solid return and not lose money, I think that's a great win. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because depending on where you live and depending on, frankly, your skill set and experience in investing, I found that many of these syndications, investors are actually receiving more profit per dollar invested than they would if they were actually investing directly into a single family home or a duplex or a triplex or what people typically think of investing in real estate. You know, the ROI depends on the market you're in and really how well that project goes because we, anyone who's owned uh, single family real estate, we all know that if the furnace goes out or the roof goes out and you've had it for five or 10 years, you're making a couple hundred bucks a month uh, at best, uh, that that wipes out your whole return. And so it's one of those things where it's really important for you to figure out, well, where do you want to line up your expertise? Do you want to be an expert at going out and executing and managing real estate? It's a great skill set, skill set we've both developed. And it's one that each of you guys has the opportunity to develop if that's what you want. On the other hand, many people are really just looking for the result. They're not looking to go to the gym every single day and work out. They want to just see that result directly happening in their life. And that's one of the benefits of passive investing. But even with that, you want to make sure you're investing with the right teams, the right operators, that you're making the right investments. And so, Justin, how do you recommend, well, Von Finch, we, of course, have some strategies of our own, but how do you recommend people go out and find property or find opportunities for them to invest in passively? Yeah, I, I mean, you bring up a great point. If you don't know what you're doing and you're hiring our property management group, you likely will make less than if you go with a group that, I mean, without scale, especially, uh, then, you know, going with a group that has expertise where, you know, hopefully you're getting a 15 to 20% IRR internal rate of return on an investment with some, you know, tax depreciation, some tax deductions. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of places to, to go to find it. I mean, there are, are brokerage sites if you want to buy it on your own. Uh, but there are also a lot of groups out there that they syndicate. That's what they do. And there are also groups that do funds. And uh, a fund would just be a collection of assets, a collection of single family homes or a collection of multifamily uh, properties. So if one fails, then it doesn't wreck the whole return that there's enough assets that it should work out uh, and still be a positive return. Uh, so I think you want to scrutinize the single deal syndication more to make sure that it is a good fit because all your eggs are in that basket. But at the same time, the flip side of that is you can do so much great due diligence on just that project uh, and kind of know where you stand. So there are pros and cons to everything. And there's, you know, risk, different ways to, to mitigate risk. But that's what I look at. I look at how do I de-risk a deal? And then how do I get the best return that I can and for me, it's just finding strong partners who are great operators that have a great track record that will answer every question that I ask. And I've got a lineup of questions that I ask everyone because, I mean, at one point in time, I was like, I should just make a list of the questions so I never forget to ask a question. And I pay attention to the groups that don't want to answer my questions versus answer every one of them, some with one word answers and others with like really full detailed answers. Um, I look at their past results, you know, what does their portfolio look like? What was their pro forma? 
compared to what actually happened? How long have they been in business? Have they been in business long enough to weather um, th this, you know, last 12 years where, you know, it, it, you'd really have to work hard to not get a good return the past 12 years. Like you, you really, I mean, there are groups that are, are killing it and there are certainly groups that have not done well, but the last 12 years have been really good years. So mm -hmm. I, I like just making sure that people know that, what that looks like. I actually like investing with people that have lost money before. Um, and have learned some good lessons around it. I think sometimes people shy away from that, but I ask, I always ask, have you ever lost money before? Tell me about that. What happened? What'd you learn? Because there's growth in that. Like every time I've ever lost money, that has made me such a better investor and I've not repeated those mistakes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's a question that doesn't get asked that often. But uh, it's a question that really does help you understand. It's not about the fact that somebody lost money. It's about what they took away from it, what they've learned. We've had deals that didn't go the way we wanted. And, you know, our investors came out in a great spot, but we, you know, we took the hit on that. But there's a lot of lessons in, in that you can really apply in deals moving forward. And so, you know, you've written this great book, The Lifestyle Investor, The Ten Commandments of Cashflow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom. And I know you got a copy of that for everyone who's interested in getting a physical copy directly to their door. Why don't you tell them a little bit about the book and uh, tell them how they can get a copy as well. Yeah, sure. So my book, I, I'm really just passionate about kind of teaching people how to do it differently. I feel like there's so much education from Wall Street on the way to do it. And this permeates the, the universities and colleges, the way that they educate, the way that money managers, financial advisors educate. And so I mean, the whole goal is give Wall Street your money because they make more money on your money than you do. And they typically make money even when you don't make money. And so I just see a big misalignment, but most people don't realize that things aren't going as well as they want until they retire. And I wanted to kind of just put out there a different way to do it, that instead of waiting and building this nest egg and waiting till you retire and hoping that you have enough, like putting all this hope into, you know, do I have enough to live off the interest? Why not just buy assets today? And these assets cash flow, and there's different deal terms and structures you can use to, you know, create the success that you want. So I wrote this book, um, really kind of highlighting my 10 criteria, my 10 commandments are the 10 criteria that I look for in making investments. And this has served me really well. This is, you know, you know, I'm over 200 uh, unique deals using these terms and, uh, I just feel like most people are following the crowd of what everyone else is doing with the vast majority of their money in the stock market and in 401ks and in qualified plans where there's very little utility. And if there's a hit to the stock market, then net worth evaporates so fast. I'd rather be diversified in other assets that hold their value better that can't go to zero or, or aren't going to be chopped in half. Um, and most people don't realize that like even during COVID when the stock market took a 30% hit and then it kind of returned after a series of months. So you got your 30% back. People are like, all right, I'm whole again, but you're not. If you lose 30% and then make 30% back, you're actually negative. You've lost money. And I think that there's this big disconnect that people have with like what numbers sound like and what numbers really like what really happens to real dollars when you put them in, you know, you stress test them in, in an equation. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. People forget about that. They don't really understand how the numbers work, but it sounds like you've got a couple great strategies. Why don't you share one or two of them before we uh, wrap up today? Yeah, sure. So, you know, if, if I think like I, I start first with like, what is most important to me? So to me, it's my lifestyle. Like I am investing because I value my lifestyle and the way that I spend my time in just being able to really put my family first and put my friends right after that. And and feel like my time doesn't have to be spent earning money. My time could be spent focused on my passions and what I believe my purpose in life is. And so I, I'm able to show up with a lot more energy and a lot more excitement because I'm working because I want to, not because I have to, and I can stop working at any time as well. And, and I think when people find that, that's when the magic happens. So my first commandment is lifestyle first. And, it, and I, in my book, I have this, kind of outline this plan to help people figure out what their freedom vision is and uh, what it would look like to really think through the ideal lifestyle for them. Everyone's different, but my experience has been people generally know what they don't want, but they're very unclear on what they do want. And when someone can articulate what they do want and start pursuing that, when they know what their expenses are, what it costs them to live on a monthly basis, and be able to invest to get passive income to cover that, it just creates an exciting place for them. So, you know, that is my first commandment. Um, my second one is to reduce the risk. And I think that every deal that I do, I wanna protect it. I wanna make sure that if something goes wrong, I'm not gonna lose all my money. Hopefully I lose none of my money. And in most of my investments, it's protected where I'm probably not going to lose anything. If I do, it's very little. But at the same time, it's set up. So if it goes well, I make a good return. And so it's kind of disproportionate there, right? There's that asymmetric risk return profile. It's low risk, high return. And most people don't think that that exists, but it does. And it, and it comes in the way that you structure a deal. Um and you know, I'll just share my third commandment real quick too, which is finding invisible deals. Um, I want to find deals that are off market, that don't have competition, that aren't being bid up, that maybe these people don't even know they're going to sell it until I ask if I can buy it. Uh, you know, I, I love, and that could be equity in a company, it could be the whole company, that could be real estate, it could be whatever it is. But most of the deals that I do and that I do inside of my network um, are deals that a retail investor would never find. They, they just don't exist. And the terms that we're able to negotiate for our group are um, something that uh, a typical investor is never going to see because we have power in numbers. And I'm not afraid to ask for um, you know, equity kickers, which is free equity or uh, you know, protections. Maybe it's a personal guarantee. Maybe it's uh, collateral two or three or five times the value of the investment, or maybe it's an accelerated uh, distribution schedule where we get paid back quickly inside of a year's period of time to de-risk the deal. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but those are just a few ways to protect and amplify an investment. Yeah, those are some great strategies and there's definitely a lot more to that. So Justin, it was such a pleasure having you on today. Thanks for diving into some of these ideas for the audience. I always love talking with you. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Yeah, so my website is justindonald.com 
And you can find anything there uh, from coursework to master classes and all the other things that uh, I do um, and that I offer. And for your audience, I didn't share this earlier, but uh, you can get a free copy of, your, of my book, The Lifestyle Investor. Uh, all you need to do is pay for the shipping and you can go to lifestyleinvestorbook.com. So either of those websites, there's a link on, on justindonald.com for the book as well. Um, but all the proceeds of the book, uh, no matter how you get it, uh, all go towards uh, an incredible organization called Love Justice International, and they stop human trafficking, uh, which is really uh, child sex slaving in 17 countries across the globe and just do incredible work. Uh, and in fact, uh, last month, they rescued over 500 children that were involved in this sex trafficking, which is scary to think about and exciting to hear the numbers, but that's what's going on in our world. And I just want to bring attention to them and to this incredible organization. Yeah, it's great to be able to support, grab a copy of that book. And thanks you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. You're listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.